If there's anything in view these days, it's the speed at which the world's new political-social agendas are are bringing about a radically new order that will soon bring God's divine patience to a quick halt. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to The Critical Musts. Listen to the Apostle Paul quote Isaiah in Romans chapter 9 verse 28. This is important. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. What are we to make of that verse? Does he know something we don't? Paul's actually quoting from Isaiah 10 to mean that while a remnant of Israel will be spared in the time of Jacob's trouble, those who refuse to repent will experience God's speedy and righteous vengeance against sin. God will do a quick and a just work on the earth, cutting off one portion and saving the other. Jesus addressed this matter as we see in Matthew chapter 24. Listen, for then there will be great tribulation. When? The time of Jacob's trouble. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, let me throw this in, unless God was ready to do a short work, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. I'm afraid there's a general consensus in the modern church today that God has pretty much had it with Jew. It seems to these folks that Israel's frequent covenant disobedience has pretty much disqualified this people from much godly attention. And now it's about the church. That massive body of believers who some believe has replaced Israel at the top of God's agenda. Let me say this emphatically, brothers and sisters, that can't be farther from the truth. Let me explain. God has always had a purpose and a plan for Israel. The prophets have made that abundantly clear. Listen to Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely, surely the Lord God does nothing, zip, nada, nothing on the earth unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. While Israel has always had a messianic context for their future, when Jesus came upon the scene, he didn't seem to fit the criteria of a Savior Messiah. The Jew thought of the Messiah as a liberator, one who would once and for all cut the ties of Roman tyranny over their nation. However, we know Jesus came to his people in a, in a much different way. Instead of relieving them of their enemies, he told them to love their enemies. Instead of validating the religious leadership of that day, he called them a brood of vipers. You get the idea. The Jews, of course, had a, had a view of a future tribulation, Jacob's trouble, a, a future resurrection of the dead, a time the nation would be restored and the entire nation would come to know the God of Abraham in his fullness, and the people would dwell in the land permanently, never to be removed. They saw and they believed the scriptures of the prophets that spoke to these future events and surely Messiah would come and put a new world order into effect. What they didn't understand, they didn't get it, was that this, this well-forecast prophetic event 
was to come about in the context of really something new. It certainly was to take place, but what was hidden from them in plain sight, it was already in the prophets. There was yet a great mystery to be revealed, how that covenant would be fulfilled and and who would be the prominent one in the outcome. The God of Israel had determined this future act of amazing grace would would require a breaking of the flesh, of a form of righteousness of dead works. So although the early church was made up of mostly Jews, when Peter and Paul came along on the scene, it, it became clear this Jesus, who through his earthly ministry, death, and resurrection put in place the pathway for salvation, not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile, that was just too much for the covenant nation to consider. As the Apostle John said later, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Today, much of the church has a very cursory, superficial knowledge of this great mystery. Our focus is almost entirely on the church that we, we are the answer to bring in God's age-ending righteousness to the earth, that Israel has been replaced by the church, and that when God saw their continuous violations of covenant obedience, he turned his face from them and returned to his place and would restore his rule in the earth by means of a, a new covenant established on new and better promises and and the church would be the spiritual vehicle to bring that about. That's not exactly how the apostles saw it. They saw Jesus as the the first fruits of the promise, a, a down payment, so to speak, for the ultimate fulfillment that would come at the second coming. And that, that, my brothers and sisters, that was the mystery, a mystery that was firmly held in place by a a God-ordained, supernatural, spiritual veil over the eyes of his people. The Jewish prophets knew the Messiah would come, that he would suffer, but the veil withheld the revelation of a people who would participate in 2,000 years of history of spiritual blindness, a, a season of blindness that would be finally and completely removed at the totally unexpected second coming of the Messiah. When the Deliverer would come out of Zion and once and for all deliver his people and all would be saved, every last one in a day. And to this day, the church is having great difficulty coming to grips with a Judeo-centric kingdom to come. Let me share a, a scripture we've discussed before, but I believe in the context of what we're showing today, we'll reveal how clearly the prophets presented this mystery. Hosea chapter 5. For I will be a, a lion to Ephraim, the northern kingdom, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, listen, I, even I, will tear them and go away. I, I will take them away and no one shall rescue I will return again to my place. This is God talking. I'll return to my place till they, till that covenant nation acknowledges their offense. Then, then they will seek my face in their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. Listen to the covenant nation. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he's torn, but he will heal us. He's stricken, but he will bind us up. 
After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Folks, that's the millennium. Yes, a people, a people of an everlasting covenant that at the day of the Lord, at that mysterious second coming of Messiah, will be saved in a day and enter into the land where they and their everlasting covenant, God will validate and he'll vindicate before all the nations, all the nations in the world for a thousand years. What did God say he would do? He will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. Well, I didn't even get to the other scripture I wanted to talk about today in Romans chapter 16. I'm going to read it for you anyhow, because we'll pick up on it again. Now to him who's able. Now, this is Paul talking to the Roman Christians. Now, now to him who's able to establish you according to, this is interesting, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all the nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith. Was Paul's gospel somehow different from other scriptural renderings of these truths? Was Paul's gospel unique in some way? Lord willing, we'll hopefully soon address those questions. So, Let's take some time to pray. Father, there's a great mystery being revealed to the church in these days. The mystery of the ages, Father. You're revealing. It's been in plain sight. But you're giving our eyes in the church, and I believe the eyes of Israel to a great degree, the ability to see these things. But like any mystery you're revealing, especially in the context of timing, we must possess clear spiritual insight, what you're saying in the appropriate season. You told your faithful servant to feed the people what they need, not necessarily what they want, and to do that in the appropriate season. Lord, in this season, you are revealing your heart, showing us your full intent for the covenant people. It's, it's also clear, Father, this isn't going to be well-received as we view the conditions of the world and the church in this hour. So, Lord, our prayer is you would do a, a supernatural short work in the church to awaken us to the plan you've had in place from the time you called Abraham. You are Judeo-centric. When you return for your bride, you'll also bring your covenant people into an everlasting righteousness that will prepare them to rule and reign with Messiah in your millennial kingdom right here on the earth. Father, although this seems so far from our spiritual radar at the moment, we must, we ask, we ask you to bring it to our undivided attention now with wisdom, with wisdom and knowledge how to present it to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And Lord, we ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. My brothers and sisters, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Get, to, get them to a generation, a, a young adult generation 
that are trying to make sense of their time and their future. Some of them are not even seeing a future because of all the events that are happening on the earth. We need to get the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, a generation that will lead mankind in the days ahead. So God bless each and every one of you. Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm Bill Nordstrom.